Welcome to worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on June 13th, 2021. Rem Dias brings a gospel message in the third part of the Own the Vision series, titled Shaking the Salt, Shining the Light, to Grace Lakin in Lakin, Kansas. The Own the Vision series examines the mission statement of Grace Lakin. This third part examines the words, sent to love Lakin and the nations.
again we come to a time test. Woo! There we go. I don't even probably need this mic actually as much as I yell, but uh, we come to a time of renewal. Again, a time where we we read scripture. And remember, the point of reading scripture is not so we pick up these binoculars and look at other people's lives and say, oh, well, look at how wrong you are. But scripture reads us and it exposes our daily need for grace. And that's what we're about. We're about this time of coming to his throne, understanding that everyone's probably had a time this week where you've just been like, oh my goodness, how can I call myself a follower of Christ? Like, we have moments like that. But the good news is we don't, we don't have to clean our lives up to come to Christ. We come as we are. So hear the word. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Now let's just take a moment, reflect upon this past week, and let's just bring our sin to Christ in a moment of silent prayer and confession. Father, you do turn graves into gardens. That's who you are. And we are thankful that Jesus, anything that we have confessed with a pure and right heart, and you, you cleanse. As our text just read, we can draw near to God, and as we do draw near to you, God, and draw near to us. And so, Father, I pray we rest in your presence. We would rest in your grace. We would, we would increase our desire to know you even more. This is Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And now, people of God, hear the assurance of our pardon. As 1 Peter 2, 24-25 says, Jesus Christ himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but, ne- but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. Amen. All right, you may rise as we sing our hymn of response, how deep the Father's love for us.
Okay, okay. I tell you what, I have no idea. We moved here, it started raining, and thought we got away from rain, and thought I got away from humidity, and it's like, what is happening? It rains, and it is really humid, and there's a lot of mosquitoes in Western Kansas. But uh, anyway, uh, how's everybody doing? Everybody doing all right? Okay, alright, well if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter uh, 5, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 13 and 16 is where we're going to be camped out um, as we are in the third week of our series uh, titled Own the Vision. And again, we're, we're looking at our, our mission statement and uh, we're, we're breaking it down phrase by phrase and just kind of saying, you know what, are we really owning this thing? And uh, what's, it, uh, what's it look like to own it? And we're just looking at it a little bit. Um, so we're coming to the phrase, sent to love Lakin and the nations. And I love this phrase um, because the word sent. <laughs> um, you are sent. Right, we're, the, the body of Christ isn't a, a place where we just come to sit in here, but we're, we're sent out. Like you look at Acts and they're sent out. Um, and so uh, before we dive into te the text, I want to just draw your attention to this thing sitting in your pew. If you, it's not sitting in your pew, don't worry, I can get you one. Uh, you can grab one in the pew in front of you. Uh, but it's just a little booklet and it says, who's your one? Um, and I just, uh, I want to put something in your hands. Um, as, as you come over, uh, hopefully today for brunch, one of the things you're here to say is I want to help equip you. Uh, I'm here to, I'm for you. Um, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to build you up. And I think, though, sometimes when uh, a pastor can come, uh, I just, I just want to make sure we're all on the vision together. And I think that the Hoosier One campaign that uh, I've done in the past is one of, I've, I've found, uh, it's one of the best ways to help reach new people. Um, you know, I, I, I'm all about doing big outreach events and uh, new programs, and I, I plan on doing some of those things here. Like, I think we should do some events, I think we should do some, implement some programs, but Programs don't reach people. Outreach events don't reach people. Sermons really don't reach people. It's people that reach people. It's people that, it's relationships that reach people. It's the word of God in the midst of relationships and building relationships. So the Hoosier One is actually a really simple concept. I'm just going to challenge you for the next 30 days to pick one person. One person. That's all I'm asking. It could be a family member. It could be a coworker. It could be... Um, I was going to say, it can't be an animal, okay? It can't be an animal. Uh, <laughs> so cows don't count. I'm sorry. Um, but it, it could be anybody. Again, a coworker, a neighbor. And I just want you to pick one person that maybe you don't know where they stand with Christ. You, I mean, maybe you build a relationship with you, but you don't even know if they're a follower of Jesus here, or if they go to church anywhere. And I want you to put their, there's a little thing, and I want you just to put their name right here on this little card. And for the next 30 days, this is simple, okay? I just want you to pray for them every single day. And if you're like, well, Pastor Rim, I don't even know how to pray. It's okay, I'm going to make it even simpler for you. There's a prayer guide. <laughs> okay? It's 
okay. You can do it. I believe in you. And so all you're going to do, okay, you're going to open this prayer guide tomorrow. If you want to take this challenge again, if you're like, oh my gosh, Pastor, I'm going to lose. If you don't want to do it, it's okay. I want your heart in it. Um, but the, tomorrow you're going to go open to day one, and it's got the prayer written out for you. How about that? And it's got the scripture. And all you got to do when it comes to the blank, guess what? Let's put their name in the blank. That's all you got and the next 30 days, I want you to just to be praying for them. And what do I want to be, what do I want you to be praying for them? Not, oh God, let them come to grace so we can get all big and we can be cool. No. We're not like, yes, we want to grow. But I want you to pray first for your own heart that you would have a red hot passion to see people reach with the gospel. That's what we're about. And if it doesn't break your heart that someone doesn't know Christ, I would pray for your own heart that God would break your heart. Jesus looked out to the crowds and his heart broke. His heart had compassion for the crowds that didn't know him. And so pray for your heart. And if you're like, oh, Pastor Ram, I still don't, like, is there some more ideas? I even printed out a sheet right here. Okay? Okay. It says, find your one. If you're still like, who is my one? Okay, this little sheet says find your one. It gives you some ideas of who could be your one. And then it says serve your one. Uh-oh, now we're getting to varsity level outreach. It's going to give you some ideas of maybe how you can serve them. And then start a conversation. Oh, my goodness. How do I start a conversation with someone? How do I, how do, I do this with my one? Well, boom, right there. It will help you start a conversation with your one. All right? You think we can do this? Because, get this, what if we took this serious for the next three days, and I would say, let's just, let's just, make it, let's just say this year, let's just make it simpler, let's just say this year, you just re, 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 uh, go through the cycle, and just one person that you reach, you would double. The kingdom of God would double. And so, yes, I am going to put programs in front of us, hopefully, by God's grace. Yes, outreach events, but I think this church, what we're about is helping you, equip you. We're all called to see and go. Is that okay? Are we okay with that? Uh, I, I hope. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that at, at, at brunch today. Okay, so that's what that was, and now we can move on. And that wasn't even my sermon. Oh my goodness, we got we to get to it. Okay, so Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. I'm going to read this thing, and um, we'll get there. Verse 13, Matthew chapter 5. Here we go. Jesus speaking says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. I'm titling this message, Shaking Salt and Shining Light. Everybody say, Shake some salt and shine some light. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we are in your presence. We thank you that your word is alive and active. 
We thank you that it speaks. And Lord, I come as a weak man needing to be filled with your spirit. Help me to show them what is here and help our hearts to be stirred with affection for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, as I was thinking about, again, that phrase, sent to love, like into the nations, I was reminded of a, a story I heard uh, from one of my friends back in Hillsboro. I used to meet every Thursday morning with this friend who's a mentor of mine, and he would kind of just, uh, we would just share life, share um, our sin struggles together, our dreams, our hopes, our family worship visions, and just be brothers sharpening iron. And, and I, as I was as, as we were talking, he was, he was telling me about a story um, about a guy named Tom Doyle. And Tom Doyle is the president of Uncharted Ministries. Uh, and Uncharted Ministries, what they do is they, they really seek to reach um, the Muslims in our world. And so, I mean, they are red out, I mean, red out passion for Jesus and they're infiltrating the most Muslim places. And he was telling a story about a woman named Habad and her uh, six-year-old son, Ali. And as they uh, would, would go, as Habad would go to work, they would pass by a church, the only Protestant church within that region, a very highly Muslim region, and they would pass by this church every day. Well, as they started passing by this church, Ali would start to... One day he just said, Mom, Mom, we've got to go in there. And she was like, oh, honey, we, we can't go in there. We're Muslim. And he's like, no, 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 don't, don't, you, don't you see it? She's like, honey, what do you, what do you mean? Don't, don't you see the light coming from the church? Like, there's light coming off from the church. Like, you don't see this burning light? She's like, honey, whatever, you're a six-year-old, you know? No, I don't see the light. And she kept going. Well, they kept Passing by the church, and he kept saying the same thing, same thing. Lord, don't, you, don't you see the light? 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 Said, no, we can't go in there. Well, finally, finally, as a six-year-old always has their way, right? Six-year-olds, they just they tend to get around. She, Ali, got around Habed and ran into the church. Now, of course, Habed had to go in after her son, and as she walked in. She was in her Muslim garb, but she said when she walked in there, it was like angels singing. She couldn't, she was overwhelmed. There's just this rinky old church, but the people were just so loving and attractive and winsome. And she said, I was really met with salt and light. And they, they came to know Jesus and, and, and be in that community. And I, I do believe in visions and dreams and God works. And I, yeah, sure, I think maybe Ali had a vision there or a dream that the Lord was drawing there. But the text that we're looking at today, Jesus is saying that there should be an attractionness, a, a, a winsomeness to believers. That we are salt and light. And as we are salt and light, there is an attraction that leads to God's glory. Now, my sermon in the sentence, if you tend to check out or you want to sleep, here it is. Here's my sermon in the sentence. You can put it in your back pocket, and then you can just, yeah, think about brunch. Um, but here it is. 
the, the world slash Lakin will taste and see God's glory as followers live in salt and love. So Lakin and the world are not going to taste and see God's glory if believers don't live in salt and light. So that's where we're headed. Um, and, and, and the context of Matthew 5, 13 through 16 is really interesting. We, we, uh, Matthew is the writer. Yes, Matthew, the same one that was a tax collector. Okay, it's amazing to me that as Jesus was walking along the road, he had time to look at the most despicable. I mean, tax collectors were the most jacked up people in that time. And Jesus saw him and Jesus called him. You talk about having a one. Jesus saw him. And he calls this man, and this man is radically changed, and he writes this, this amazing gospel, which is really a proclamation about the kingdom of God. But if you're really in tune with the gospel of Matthew, which I know you guys are, and you understand, um, is you'll find that we're actually at the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And if you think I preach long, I'm, try, I'm going to try to get shorter, guys. I promise. Hang with me. Uh, but he, man... This was a long sermon. And Jesus was up on a hill, and he was actually preaching towards believers. He was actually talking to his followers. But there was tons of other people listening in. And what we really find about the, the Sermon on the Mount is actually really interesting. It is actually Jesus showing us that we daily need to be transformed by the gospel. That means we daily need his, his righteousness, his grace, his mercy, and as we receive His grace, His mercy, and His transformed heart, this is how now we're supposed to live in light of that. Alright? So that's kind of some brief context, and another really brief context to note that we got to get here is that this passage comes at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, right after the Beatitudes. And why is this important? It's really important because Jesus is moving from, um, he's moving from a description of, of a follower. So these are, the Beatitudes are a description. And now he's going to move to a follower's function. Okay? How they are to look, how they are to move, how they are to function like in the world. Are you tracking with me? Okay, so uh, we're going to ask three questions from this text. We're going to ask three questions of what it means then to be salt and light. All right, three questions. And the first question that I want to look at and we see in verse 13 is what does it mean to be salt? What does it mean? And actually, before we even get to that question, look at one of the first phrases in that verse. It says, you are. It says, you are. I love this. Because, and then you go later on, and he's going to say in verse 14, you are. As if to say, this is, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is going to be the natural thing in your life that you will be. You don't have to go out and try to create to be, I'm going to be salt, I'm going to be light. No, you will be. You will be. We don't change behavior and then come to Jesus. Jesus again changes us and then that changes our behavior. He's saying you will be. Alright? So now, what, again, what does it mean to be salt? I think 
to really get at what Jesus is saying to it needs to be salt is we have to look at what was salt used for in uh, this context. And it was used in, in, in ancient uh, antiquity, three things. Number one, it was a preservative. Okay, it was a preservative. Now we live in the 21st century um, and some of us um, might not just have one refrigerator, but two. Anybody got three? It's okay, okay, okay. Uh, we have multiple fridges and we have a deep freeze and can, can smile, okay. Uh, so, I mean, it, that's how we preserve food. We got refrigerators. But they would preserve food by, okay, they get the meat out and then they would get this salty solution, okay, and this salt solution and they would rub it into the meat to preserve it. Now, when I was looking at all the things and what it means to be salt, I found this one most compelling and most convicting for me. Because he is saying that you being salt, you being this preservative, means that the world is in decay. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel like we have to go very far to see that the world is in decay. Like I flip on uh, the TV and I'm just like, oh my goodness. Guys, uh, abortion is on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. Anxiety is on the rise. Uh, depression is on the rise. Like when I started youth ministry 11 years ago, it was like, oh, you know what? You know, this youth. And then now it was crazy what I was dealing with every week with some youth. And yet, we are supposed to be the salt that preserves it. I like what Kent Hughes says right here. He says, the church as salt function at, as, functions as a retardant to decay and a, and a preservative in a disintegrating world. Jesus was saying, in effect, humanity without me is a dead body that is rotting and falling apart. And you, my followers, are the salt that must be rubbed into the flesh of the world to halt the decomposition. See, the church, we are supposed to be rubbed into these spots, these decaying spots. And so this means that we need to be salt in every little area of decay in our world. And I was, as I was thinking about that too, I think sometimes when I, when I hear abortion and suicide and all these things on the right, sometimes I can just get really down and I can just say, oh man, the world is so jacked up and, you know, Jesus just come back. And I am actually, when I'm living in that moment, when I'm living and just having my eyes focused on all the decay, I'm actually missing what Jesus is saying here. Because when I'm just getting laid out by the decay and saying, oh, it's just decay, Jesus, come back. Jesus is saying, I have sent you to help preserve the decay. Instead of complaining, Rem, then that's what I've sent you for. Instead of complaining about this person that's just, like, move into that space. You are the salt, Rem. You're the salt. We're, we are the salt. You track it? So that's the first thing it was used for, preserve it. Second thing, it was used for flavor. How many of you guys are cooking? Always got my dad is, oh my gosh, everywhere we go, and it's really embarrassing. He's always asking for 
of pepper and salt. And it's not, it's just everywhere. I'm like, Dad, it's like, just eat the food. It's okay. You don't need to add salt to everything. But salt gives flavor. And I love this because, in a sense, we are supposed to bring zest. Now, this is really good. I love this because sometimes when we hear decay and we talk about being salt like Christians, sometimes we are weird. We're weird. What we do is we hear all about this decay, like, okay, let's hide in our little Christian huddle holes and, and, and let's just not go out and be involved in, you know, sports or, you know, good food. We can't like good food too much. You know, we can't have too much good things because, oh, it's like, no, we are actually, you know, we're, we're in the world, but not of it. So that means that we are actually supposed to be seeing the sport and recreation and other people's hobbies and um, education and music and art and good food and good wine or whatever and seeing that and saying, yes, we're for that. I love what Eugene Peterson says on this verse, he translates it in his own his own um, version. He says, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. So where everyone else, like let's just do sport. Some people get all crazy about sport in our world and they make sport their God in a sense. And it's all, they, it's everything to them. And Christians wrongly being salt and light would be like, oh, you shouldn't do sport. Sport, Sport? Don't you know you're supposed to just love Jesus? You can't do sport. No, that's just weird. But what we're supposed to do is say, okay, I love sport too. Like, let's practice together. Like, I'll run with you. Let's run. Let's get on my bike. Like, let's do these things. But what we do is we don't stop there for our satisfaction. We add a little more element to it. We fill it in because we say, you know what? Sport was actually given to us by a creator. Art was actually given to us by our creator. So you actually help people give a deeper meaning. Because they're going to put weight on a sport that can't hold. But now we're saying, oh man, God gave us that. Like, I'm rocking with it too, man. Like, let's do this. Let's hang out. Let's... But God gave it to us to enjoy. So we're supposed to be this flavor. Alright? You tracking? So preserve now we're supposed to bring flavor. This is what it's for. And then that makes one thirsty. I'm actually kind of thirsty right now. Uh, <clears throat> but it makes, salt makes one thirsty. Meaning that Jesus, look at Jesus, guys. His life is amazing. The most jacked up people were attracted to him. He had an attractionness to him. And I would just continue to ask him, as we're going to get into this, does, are you salty enough to make people thirsty for Jesus? Does your life kind of people thirsty for Jesus. Now, we're, we're going to get into that question in just a minute. But one more thing as we think about what it means to be salt. An observation to make is salt isn't meant to stay in the salt shaker. It's meant to be poured out. Are you tracking? Like, it would be weird just to have salt in a salt shaker and never pour it out. And here's the observation I want to make from this text on that. I think sometimes what uh, I've actually well I've actually heard of this new um, salt tank theory 
uh, where like literally you can go sit in this salt tank to being human. And, like people just, I don't know if anybody's done this, but this is something gross. I have no intention to just sitting in a big old salt tank. Okay? It's just, and they just sit in here and they just kind of float around in their stuff and, oh, well, thank you. Look at that. And, and they just sit in this salt tank and I think if we're not careful, stick with me, and if we're not careful, I think we can often treat the church like that. Here's what I mean. Sometimes I think what we can do in the church, if we're not careful, is we say, oh man, it feels so good to be saved. You sit around this salt tank, and you're like, oh man, I can't wait till brunch. They be having cinnamon rolls and casseroles. We have all this fruit. Oh, this just feels so good. Floating around in our salt tank. Oh, I can't wait to pass around does something that makes us just float around more. <laughs> and yet, the world isn't decay. Guys, we're not here to, I mean, yeah, we want to build a community, yeah, but I'm not here to make us float around in some bath water. And I like what uh, uh, R.C. Sproul says. He says, know in the medical world, if a body does not give off salt through pre uh, perspiration, what happens? It retains water and becomes bloated. In the same way, the church will become bloated and desperately unhealthy if the salt is not dispersed in this work of preservation. The ancient world would have known nothing of dead, rotting, gross meat. Well, not even dead, but it's just meat over here and salt over here. No, it wouldn't have done that. It would have been poured out. It would have been poured out. We're supposed to be poured out. And then something really interesting here, it says that if salt is lost, say, how can we uh, shall saltiness be restored? Now, what's it mean that can, can salt actually lose its saltiness, chemically speaking? No, it, it, it can't. Salt can't actually lose its chemical makeup. Alright? And so what's interesting is he's saying that, yeah, salt can be, but salt can be diluted. Salt can be diluted. And yes, I think our saltiness are, can be diluted by not staying grounded in the Word and having good fellowship and, and doing the disciplines. And those are ways I think salt can be diluted. But let me just give you another way. I think in the context of this, because again, he's talking to the community followers. This is something we're doing together. It's how salt can be diluted. Okay? And I got a brief little illustration. I'm sorry, this is the last one for a while. Okay? Uh, but let's say that this salt in my pocket and... I will try not to get in the ground and get back now. Okay? So this is the real stuff. Okay? Let's say this is real ancient salt. And when they when they harvested salt back in the ancient world, by the way, this is what they would do. They'd go into the Dead Sea and they would ground out everything. And and then they would be mixed. Uh, there would be real salt and then other stuff. But let's say this is the real stuff, okay? And now let's say. This, okay, this is the good stuff. This is Dead Sea uh, minerals that kind of looks like salt. Now, here's the question. Do you see any purpose in me doing this right here? 
you see any purpose of me doing this? Okay, it's okay to answer. It's okay, guys. We're right. No, well, I mean, what? What would be the purpose of this? And see, while you might not see the purpose, I think a lot of pastors see the purpose in this. Because what they see is like, hey, man, look how big my pile is. And I'm like, a pile of what? Hey, salt. But guys, as we are starting this church plan, listen, I'm not concerned about how big our pile is. I'm concerned about the quality of the salt. And so what we will do if we're just concerned about how big our pile is, and we don't really ask good questions of like, how are we going to create a good discipleship plan? How are we going to make sure our kids are catechized and love Jesus? Are our people really connecting with them? We're not about to have flashy community and how big our pile can be. Because if we're all about that, that's what, again, what you win people with is what you win people to. And we want to win people with the sake of the gospel. We want to see hearts transformed. And I'm thinking one way we instantly lose our saltiness is if we jeopardize, if we jeopardize good church discipline and good teaching for the sake of just being winsome for winsome's sake. And say, look how big a pile is. So I think that's how salt, our saltiness can be diluted. If we start at, if we stop asking questions. What are we actually growing? How are people actually forming and knowing and loving Jesus? Are we growing in Christian maturity? Does that make sense? You tracking? Okay, we're we're getting there. And then verse fourteen and fifteen, he says um, that you are the light. You are the light. And I like this because uh, when you read that, sometimes you think, well, Ren, didn't didn't Jesus say he is the light? Which is it? Now I'm a light, and Yes, you are, but it's, it's this idea that as the moon, right, as the moon reflects light from the sun, that's the kind of light you are. He's the true light, and then we're supposed to reflect this light. And then, but look at it, it's awesome that he says you're a, a city on a hill, as if we are supposed to be this light together. You know, one, one light is okay, but a city... So we're these lights together. And another thing we need to understand about this light is that it was on a stand. That was a strategic place. And they would have put the light in the darkest places. I mean, the stand in the, in the darkest places in this time to shine off the most light. And that's really interesting to see here because um, I, I was listening to a pastor once and she was checking out at, at Walmart and uh, her, I think, five-year-old wanted this flashlight that she was going to buy her. She's screaming on top of her lungs. You know those parent moments? Like, oh my gosh. I just got to get out of the store. Oh, I just got to get out of the store. And you're hopefully you don't want to smack them right and just yell at your kids in the middle of Walmart. And so she's like, okay. And the cashier, being a nice cashier, said, oh, it's okay. She can open that light and put the batteries in. And she can calm down. And so she starts opening up the light, putting the batteries in right there to check out. And then she turns on the light. This little five-year-old turns on the light. And she screams even more. Ah! And she's like, honey, what? She's like, it doesn't work. And she's like, yeah, honey, it, it is working, but it's it's too light in here for the light to work. And then the pastor said, her little girl said one of the most profound things ever, which always happens to children. And she said, well, let's go find some darkness. And guys, 
yes, we, we need to be going out together. We need to make sure that we're not just always surrounded, but we have got to let, we've got to start asking the question, where's the darkest places in my life? And are we strategically putting a stake? Are we strategically going, moving out into the darkest places of reach? Where no other churches go in, or no other places are, are thinking about. Where's the darkest places? Are we just putting our sand in the lightest of lightest places? And then, as it goes up, verse 16, what, and the question that we want to ask here in verse 16 is what is our motivation for being salt? I love verse 16. It says, In the same way, let your light shine so that they may see your good works. Now, let's stop here and look at this word good works. This word good works in the Greek is not agathos, it's kalos. Okay, right. What does that mean? Agathos means good in quality, kalos means not just good in quality, but winsome and attractive. Pastor John Stott says, Indeed, the primary meaning of works must be practical, visual, visual deeds of compassion. It is when people see these, Jesus said, that they will glorify God, for they embody the good news of His love, which we proclaim. Without them, our gospel loses its credibility, and our God is honored. Now, you, you, we talked about this. Who's your one? Like, let's say you get your one, okay? And that's great. And I and, and you have that whole list there of ways you can serve it. Those are great, practical, right? Like, we need to be about hey, let's get involved in some ministries um, that we can bless people and serve people. Let's put practical things of how we can serve these good works. Like, I'm gonna make cookies and give it to my neighbor. I'll get you some practical things that we can pinpoint. We can do. And those are good, and we need to be doing that. These are what these are for. These are when some events. But I also think that there's these good works, this attractive, this saltiness. It's just living in light of who you are, resting in Jesus. And let me give man. Let me just help you understand. This past week, I was listening to a. A lecture by one of my professors and talk about providence. The class I'm taking this, this summer is apologetics and outreach. And he was talking about when he went to go buy a minivan. And he goes to buy this minivan, and uh, it was a long for him and his wife, it was a long process, and they were there forever. And you know how they get, oh, I don't know if you've done that, but it's just, it, I haven't. It's just, yeah, you know? And finally, the salesman says, Christ was doing it. And in the midst of that, 
being salt, just being present and, and, and doing what Christ commands us is just being kind with our Lord, being loving, being caught up in His glory, being in love with Him. That naturally affects our behavior. People look on that, guys. Something I've been saying over and over and over and over and over again in my, in my head this week, and I just, I just love this phrase, is that you are always on trial for the gospel. That means people are always watching us and looking and saying, and we want to make the most of Jesus' glory in every moment. So yeah, you can do practical things. But I also maybe encourage you that these good works he's talking about is just simply learning to be patient maybe with your children in moments of chaos. Maybe just being slow to speak and quick to listen. As Jesus commanded. And the posture all the while look at, is that you look at these good works. It's not to say, hey, look at me, how great I am. Aren't I great? My professor didn't say, yeah, I'm just great. That's just, I'm just great. I'm just so good. No, he didn't say that. He actually said, hey, yeah, it's actually Jesus. Jesus changed my life. And I, I still blow it. My professor's like, I still blow it. And we still do. It's like, you just caught me on, I guess, a day of the rest of his grace. He's like, you still blow it, but he still forgives you. He still loves me. Let me tell you about him. And guess what? This guy, he came to faith, and he's involved in the church. Because he wasn't, the professor wasn't pointing that, hey, it's me. No, it's God. They may see your good works, and they give glory to God. Give glory to God. As you can come on up as I close. As we think about giving glory to God, and as we think about this idea of salt and light, listen, how do we continually stay in and let our light shine and have our salt be salty? We stay in the light. We stay in the light. Um, there was a there was a there was a kid that came back. Um, his dad came back from an overseas trip from France, and he gave his kid a matchbox car. And this kid was just really frustrated because the, the matchbox car wasn't actually lighting and uh, lighting up. And uh, there was a French description under it that said, "If you want me to shine in the night, keep me in the light." And guys, that's how we continue to be salt and light. We daily wake up and just say, God, this is crazy. Again, our first phrase of remission, we're rooted in the gospel. That means that we daily know we are going to blow it. We're not perfect salt. We're not perfect light. But we know one who is. And we stay connected to through prayer, through fasting, through Bible reading, through our community of faith, through service. And we're daily resting in His righteousness, not ours. Knowing that He's going to give you His righteousness when you confess faith in Him. So how do we shake salt and shine light? We stay connected to the one who is true salt and true light. And that's Christ. Christ alone. That's right. Father God, I thank you so much for your amazing word. And I just pray that you would take the things that I said. And Lord, if it's just a phrase, if it's just a word, something that would stir um, the hearer's affections for you, Lord. Give us strength to live as salt and light. Lord, this is hard, um, but Lord, this is who we are. You said this is who we are. 
So help us to be this together. Empower us by your spirit. Lay upon our hearts that, that one person. And I pray that you can bring it to mind to see them right now. That they can begin praying for with intentionality to share the gospel with. Not seeing them as a project, but seeing them as a beloved child of God. Break our hearts for the lost. Give us eyes to see the darkest places in this world. And lake it where you strategically place us right now. So that we may shine the light. So Jesus name I pray. Amen. We're coming now to a time of tithes and offering. And again, guys, we cannot outgive God. We are we're giving to the mission. We're giving to the expansion of the gospel. And so 2 Corinthians 8, 8 and 9 says, I want to test the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, though his poverty, so that through his poverty might become rich. So if you if you feel in your heart a desire to give, there's envelopes in the back, and there's also a nice little picture frame back there that can tell you more ways to give. You can give online, um, but we're we're not we're giving to the church, yes, but for the expansion of the gospel. So I invite you now to stand as we sing our closing song. Um,
week, staying connected to the light so you can shine in the dark. Blessings, guys. Blessings. Thank you for joining us at Grace Lakin. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Lakin KS, on YouTube, and at gracelakin.com. Thank you.